Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. We got the boys back in town today. It's like, it's crazy because, you know, obviously the NBA season is all over the place. We didn't know when it was going to start. Was it going to be one again? I don't, we didn't know, but we knew off-season stuff was coming soon. Who knew? We would get this influx of trades in the NBA. The draft is like literally here. The day of the the day of the release of this podcast, the draft's happening. It's overwhelming uh, to a point, but exciting nonetheless. And the best part for me is getting the NBA outsiders back together right here on Subway Sports Talk. We'll start off with John Lucas Duffy. What's up, dog? I'm ready for basketball season to get going again. Bro, are you ready though? Like, are you? No, I'm lying to myself right now. I'm just banking on the fact that once the games start, I'll actually be ready. Absolutely. I feel that so hard. And Frank Villani, I'm sure you feel similarly. What's up, dude? Going on, man. How you doing, Petey? You live in, you live in large right now with uh, quarantine life still? I know you, you're built for this, and uh, I feel like you're still thriving. We still pounding, you know, just chugging away. I could have sworn, we- sworn you were going to go, you were still lamping over there. Oh, I'm definitely lamping. I should have, but, you know. It is what it is. We know you're chilling out there. Also, Kyle Anderson, amid a crazy football season, uh, we got basketball right back in your life. Kyle, what's good? Yeah, man, what's going on? It's been a long time, it feels like, but uh, ready to be back, man. uh, You know, as much as uh, basketball was, you know, kind of like an overload, all these games at once, we can take a deep breath. Enjoy the draft a little bit, you know, and then uh, season start back up in, in December. So, and by, we'll see where it takes us. If I take a deep breath, you mean James Harden will be traded overnight before this podcast comes out, and I'm going to call you guys to do an emergency pot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, cra- it's hard to take a deep right. breath right now. Like last night, for example, and well, actually, first let me do this. Andrew Duffy also here with us. The, the whole starting five today for this offseason slash draft NBA podcast. Andrew Duffy, what's up? I'm back, and uh, just like your listeners are probably thinking right now, probably a little too soon for their liking, just like the season, but we're going to give it a go. <laughs> Sorry, you're liking yourself to the NBA there, but hopefully uh, your brother said once it starts, once you're here, we'll be happy with it. We'll get locked in, so I'm, I'm glad you're all here. We got the starting five, like I said, uh, and we were talking about doing this pod on Monday night. Obviously, we've been doing football episodes every single Monday night for Tuesday release you know, since the season started and with the draft this week, we wanted to shake the schedule up a little bit so we can get this NBA talk in. I'm talking to you, uh, John Lucas, the other day. I'm like, bro, when should we do this episode? And, you know, you made the perfect call because you were like, dude, why should we do one right now? There's all these trades that are possibly happening. We're going to miss something. Like, let's just wait till one day before the draft. We're going to get a lot of stuff in. And thank God you said that because not only did we catch the uh, the Drew Holiday trade, uh, the Chris Paul one had just happened, I think, when we were on the phone during the day on Monday. And if I'm not mistaken, there's one other trade that I'm forgetting about off the top of my head here. Um, but nonetheless, there's tons of... Mo- oh, the Bogdan Bogdanovich. 
there's there's crazy things moving right now, Duff. Are you able to keep up with it? How do you how do you feel about the rumor mill of basketball in this moment? It's so far it hasn't been too crazy. Like I feel like we haven't gotten anything crazy still. Like the Schroeder, Danny Green thing, people saw that one coming. Chris Paul getting traded. People have been calling that for about a year, I feel like now. And uh Drew Drew Holiday, same thing. The one that was the most surprising was the Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like no one I mean, people had been talking about trading for him, but that one wasn't too too far like on the radar, you know. Like Bradley Beal would have been more common, but obviously tougher, tougher got to move. I, I, all this stuff, I love it. It's it hasn't been too inconsequential, you know. Other than the the Bruce Brown trade for the <laughs> Zanan Musa, I don't know. I Zan, never heard of Zan and Musa Nets, and I watched like three hundred basketball games this season. So yeah, Zan and Musa is a, a Nets extraordinaire bench player. He's like a poor man's Rodion's Kuroots. He does he plays less than Rodion's Kuroots, but does a lot of the same thing. It's not it's whatever. It's not a big deal of a trade unless if you're going to get into some crazy cap situations. Anyway, it's a nice way to wet the palate for us NBA fans to kind of ease our way back into this and you know, feel like that the season is close or feel like this is all actually real and counts for real life before, you know, December 22nd. So I I am happy that this is happening now. Because now we have all this uh, trade stuff before the draft. Obviously, after the draft, we'll do free agency and we'll have more trades, I'm sure of it. And we'll know which rookies are where. And then we have a whole month to really take it all in, get our preseason stuff out of the way, see what they're going to do with fans in the stadiums and all this crazy stuff as COVID becomes a factor yet again. Um, But here we are getting to talk about free agents, trades, rumors, drafts, all this great stuff with the NBA Outsiders. A quick rundown just so you guys know what you're getting into because obviously the draft is tonight. We will get into that, but we do kind of feel like some of this other stuff is a bit more important as we have teams like the Suns, the Bucks, the Lakers, perhaps Harden and Westbrook, perhaps the Celtics, all moving, all shaking it up, all creating a bunch of different uh, paths to the finals, I guess you can say, in the Eastern and Western Conference. So we are going to focus some energy on the trades and on the rumors, and we are going to get to the draft a bit later talking about the top tier guys if you want to even call them a top tier at this moment we're going to talk about the Knicks pick at eight and we're going to go through some NBA draft props that I found interesting and throughout all that we will talk about a number of NBA draft prospects and then we'll be back again you know recap the draft at some point talk more free agency and whatnot so without further ado I think a good place to start and it's crazy how how quickly all this stuff happens Chris Paul gets traded to the Suns it's a big deal the Suns obviously just had a great run in the bubble did it make us feel better about them than we all probably should have? Perhaps. But now they get a bona fide winner in the regular season with a you know a guy with a postseason record. That's a, we, we can argue it. But this dude just lifted the Oklahoma City Thunder to great playoff contention. And now he's joining Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Mikel Bridges, amongst others. How monumental may this trade be, Kyle? Because I know you're a big Chris Paul fan. fan. He might be one of your favorite guys in the league. When you heard no this... Doubt. When you heard this trade uh, came to fruition, where'd your mind go for the Suns? Do you think this lifts them to uh, a contender level, a playoff team, or do you still think they need a lot to prove before they can really be trusted as a playoff squad in the West? I think they're going to be in that. They could possibly go to the semis. That's what I think. I think they could potentially go to the semis and battle. Um, I like, you know, this is why I really respect Chris Paul, and I've said a lot on this pod. It's just he's a winner, and he's a great leader. 
And, you know, a team with OKC that had a, you know, 2% chance to make it to the playoffs last year. And, you know, they did what they did this year. Um, you know, and, and a team that just came off a, a, you know, kind of an eight-game win streak in the bubble and kind of put themselves uh, in the conversation as, as a team that's, you know, up and coming. And then to add Chris Ball to that um, and hopefully, you know, get some uh, a good draft pick here. They, they could do some things for sure. And they could, you know, I, I don't think they're going to run up and surprise any teams now, but um, they can definitely make some noise now in the West for sure. And now Sam Presti is known as a dude, and, you know, it's something we're hearing about more and more as time goes on, who doesn't want to trade his stars or his guys that he really cares about or has helped him, you know, get wins to just any Joe Schmo team in the league, right? He wants to help these guys, especially somebody of Chris Paul's stature, get to a place where they want to be. So clearly Chris Paul is interested in the Suns, whether it be Devin Booker, Monty Williams, Phoenix, beautiful uh, weather and whatnot, who knows what it is. Frank, do you think, do you agree with Chris Paul's assessment of himself and where he wanted to go? Do you think the Suns is a good fit for him? And do you think it's a good fit for the Suns? Yeah, I think it's like, it's almost perfect. The Suns are kind of like on that younger side. They need a leader, a guy who's been there, done that. And I think he helps Devin Booker take that next step that kind of everybody sees in him and everybody wants to see him just like, take that little extra step kind of like I, I always go back to our four man rankings and I, I ranked him so high and it was the only reason he got in. Like he's a guy I feel should be in that conversation of top 15 player anyway. So I think Chris Paul helped him get, uh, get to that point. So I think it's a good trade on, on behalf of both sides. No one. We're, are we that rusty that no one? No one wanted to. No one. No one's there. <laughs> real quick, real quick, just so everyone knows. There we go. The 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 details of the trade. The Suns get Chris Paul, Abdel Nader. OKC gets Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio, Ty Jerome, Jalen Lequeu, and a 2022 first round pick that seems to be unprotected. Um, this gives the Suns just kind of a an adult in the room. They didn't have any real uh, point guard maturity i'll say they had you well they had ricky rubio right obviously chris paul step up from that and then they had javon carter campaign and Cameron Payne. campaign he was on fire in the bubble i have no idea if that's going to happen again um (laughs) you know i'll I'll bet on saying he'll cool off um but this is going to be great someone else who can handle the ball and just kind of take the attention away from Devin Booker and can spot up and shoot along with Mikhail Bridges and and uh, the dude from North Carolina. That's that's Cam love. Johnson. Uh, yeah, can't. Uh, yeah, that's love, as I call him. Um, wow, bro, <laughs> that guy's crazy. That's so love, bro. <laughs> now we get yeah, exactly. uh, we get a draft coming up. I get to like maybe find some new drops. Will anybody top Kobe White as a a top drop guy? For the SST podcast, not sure about that, but uh, it's a pretty undefeated drop. It really is, and yeah. the he went what obviously just works out so well in so many situations. Now, yeah, this this is a uh, it's real interesting, and Duff, I'm glad you did talk about the the full trade and what happened between both sides. I probably should have done that before we even started talking about it. Yeah, but, talking about Rusty, bro. 
I know. We're, you know what? It is what it is. We had our off season. It's like pre. This is preseason for us in ways. Uh, I've been talking about football for the past like six weeks or ever, eight, uh, ten weeks. It's week ten. I don't even know where we are. Anyways, so losing Kelly Oubre, obviously not great. He's a young player who has shown good promise, but you do that all day for Chris Paul. Ricky Rubio, unfortunately, is just like a poor man, like a very, a pretty poor man's Chris Paul. But he helped solidify their backcourt so much last year, in my opinion, that the addition of Chris Paul even feels that much better. Jalen Locke is a guy who uh, people think is like this. Well, he is an amazing athlete who you know people are talking about every once in a while. But the fact of the matter is there's an expectation on this Phoenix Suns team. Say Ubre, Rubio, Ty Jerome are all still with the Suns. There was an expectation built after the bubble that they are now expected to take a leap. And Devin Booker is expected to be where Frank said he was in that top 15 echelon of players in the NBA. DeAndre Ayton, moving into year two, is now looked at as a guy who needs to become one of the better centers in the league, right? These expectations were on them already, which I don't know if they were A, fair, or B, realistic. Because yes, they looked awesome. Yes, they started to become a real team in the bubble. They still didn't make the playoffs because they started off so far behind. And the West is so damn good with teams like the Warriors getting better, the Mavericks with Luka getting older and better and healthier. They were not a shoe in for the playoffs by any means. Andrew, uh, just because you know, I haven't heard from you in a moment, but I don't know if you have a specific take here. When you look at this team now with Chris Paul, do you really feel that comfortable saying that they are a surefire playoff team or a sure? Well, if you had to put your, your money on it, do you bet that they missed the playoffs? they make the playoffs and don't win a series or that they can actually make a run into this thing? Uh, I don't see them making a run. I, the, this, this Suns team is interesting, right? Cause they were the darling of the bubble, right? And the bubble was something that's never happened before. And here they are, they're making a move that it's short term. Cause Chris Paul's right. Only on the book for two more years, but it's also long term because Booker's signed for an extended period of time. And so is Aiden. So I think they're looking to kind of make a little bit of run now and see if they can get their younger players to get a lot of growth. And I think they will make the playoffs and they're going to hopefully build on that so that Chris Paul can kind of get them over the line. The thing I'd be worried about is um, at the end of that seven game series with the Rockets, uh, Chris Paul looks spent and he's gonna, he didn't have that you know, a lot of time to recuperate. And I know these guys take care of their bodies, this and that, but this is something we've never dealt with before. So I have no idea what this quick turnaround might do for him. If his body's not ready, uh, he could get injured and go down and their whole plans go up in flames. Right. I mean, what's going, I I watch a lot of soccer and, and right now a lot of players are going down with these muscle injuries in England because they had no time to recuperate and they're playing crazy amounts of games. And, I'm a little worried about that for, for basketball, and you just naturally have to be worried about the older players. But I think he's going to do everything right in the locker room, in the film room, on the bench. I mean, one of the coolest things when watching the Thunder play in the bubble was him teaching Schroeder and these young guys um, and showing them the ropes and just talking to them every time out. They're walking back to the bench, and, he's, and you could just tell they're talking about the game and what's going to happen. And I think guys like Booker and Aiton and Mikel Bridges and, and some of those other younger guys – you're not going to learn from a better player or a better mind, I should say, than Chris Paul, one of the best point guards of, of his generation. That's a, that's an awesome yeah, point. You can hear on TV him him communicating on the court and all, and between plays. You could literally, I mean, I don't. Did you guys hear? I heard it like when we were yeah. uh, 
and talking that shit, game, especially because it was so quiet. <laughs> Let's just, I just want to go through real quick in the Western Conference. So the, last year in the Western Conference, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, Thunder, Jazz, Mavericks, Trailblazers. Those were your eight playoff teams in the West. Sheesh. Next season, I'm going to guess the Thunder are going to drop out. No Schroeder, no Chris Paul. That feels like a pretty safe bet. Rockets, you know, depending what happens with Harden and Westbrook, it, it really feels like those those guys could be traded any minute. That would so I, I feel like they're out. So then that opens up two spots. The Grizzlies would, you know, almost, you know, we're right there to make it over the Blazers, obviously the bubble stuff, and Suns also one game back. So those would be maybe the next two teams to come up. You know, we always got to keep an eye on the Spurs. Pelicans are getting a little older. Timberwolves got first year of um, Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and then they have the first overall pick. And guess what, guys? Warriors. Warriors are back. Yep. Golden State Warriors are back. So really, it looks like two spots. It's not. It's one. There's one open playoff spot. You know, like obviously injuries, whatever, could take place. Any kind of crazy trade that we're not thinking about and, right now could happen to the Jazz. Wait, wait, hold on. Did you say you counted the Rockets to be out? If if Harden right. and that's an, get traded. Exactly. Because yeah, so that feels like if. it's coming any minute. Because if Harden is on the Rockets, I'm chalking them into a playoff spot. Yeah. You know, so that, that becomes... Yeah, 100%. Is there even a spot? I think the Blazers can be the ones, like, because they they struggled to get in if they didn't go crazy in the bubble and do their Well, because they didn't have Nurkic. They didn't have True. Nurkic. So that's, a, that's a good point. And they just got Robert Covington, which will help them in some different ways. The Warriors is the, the big point there. And you said the Pelicans, too. You know, they're a team with Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball. And I'm not saying that they're better than the Suns, but... They were on a path last year before the bubble because the bubble stuff for them was was ugly. It wasn't good at all. But they were on a path before the bubble when Zion came in where he was making an impact, and they started to, to look real good. They're a team that were a, a, un, like a, what's it called, a, a sleeper playoff team last season. So why are they not a sleeper playoff team again this season? Now, they don't have a Chris Paul on their team. They did just lose Drew Holiday, obviously, which we'll get to in a moment. But damn, bro, this West is crazy. And uh, Kyle, I know you were having something to say before, but let me let me le- say this to you first. Yes, sir. For, for all this stuff about Chris Paul, which I'm I'm a huge Chris Paul appreciator. I've gone full circle on him. I've gone, I've said this on the pod. I'll say it one more time. Loved him back on the on the the, the Hornets days uh, in New Orleans, and then in L.A. Started off loving him. Then he started to hate him. Then I really hated him. Then he went to the Rockets and was like, okay, no, I like him again. Then oh no, no, he's keeping the Rockets higher up than. Um, than we thought, like he's doing more than we thought. Love Chris Paul again, and then OKC, impossible not to love this guy again. That's kind of my root on Chris Paul. This guy's incredible. But there is some serious playoff blemishes, or there are some serious playoff blemishes on this dude's resume. So in that regard, Kyle, does that worry you for the Suns that they are, you know, putting a bunch of stock into Chris Paul right now when he kind of is proven to not be the most clutch in the playoffs for all the things we think about him or not being able to get over the hump? Or do you look at Devin Booker as a guy who can take that portion of the pie and lift them up? Yeah, because I think you just, you definitely were uh, kind of touched on what I was going to talk about was that I think out of all those opportunities that Chris Paul's had in the playoffs, I don't think he's had anybody that could get a bucket like Devin Booker could, you know? And, you know, if you think about it, Blake Griffin, right? 
Does he? I mean, is he? He's a post guy, but can okay. he really go get his own bucket? Was he a guard that can go get a bucket? Not honestly, when not he until was... he went to Detroit that first year. <laughs> right. right, right, yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, now, now, now he's like some, you know, he's a wing guy, Point like forward. shooting threes, like step back threes, like yeah, it's crazy. And you know, I mean, the Thunder, I mean, they had no shot at. They weren't even supposed to even sniff the playoffs last year, and they were right in the mix of it. You know, and I think him. One thing that I think that Chris Paul will take to the next level is DeAndre Ayton, just as a pick and roll guy who has, you know, DeAndre DeAndre Jordan before. You know, he was a stud when he was with Chris Paul. Stephen Adams had another great year last year with Chris Paul, and now DeAndre Ayton, the guy that was just played with Ricky Rubio, probably has a little bit of a clue. But now Chris Paul can kind of take that to the next level. And I think that, you know, just touching back on Devin Booker again, like he never has had a guy that can go score um, like Devin Booker. Now, James Harden, I know he was with the Rockets, had yeah, James Harden. That. But I guess I just mean like more of a one-two combo that he can still control, you know, control the offense and not be like the off-ball guy because that yeah, wasn't really the like situation that was comfortable for him. Right. Instead right. of your turn, my turn kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you bring up a great point with DeAndre Ayton because it's like he Chris Paul can not only help groom the guards, but the bigs, you know, someone teach him how to play pick and roll. Like I'm one of the best point guards this league has ever seen. This is how you're supposed to play pick and roll basketball. Who, like you, yeah, you got all these coaches, you got all these other players, you know, whoever you had coming up, but I'm going to be the best teacher for you in this particular aspect. And he, hopefully can create space and create shots for guys like Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, like he can create space, help all those other guys get better. But back to your question about, you know, what, what long-term in terms of this season, you know, how do they project? I think if they make it in the playoffs where they haven't been in a decade, mm. that this is, that's the best case scenario. They're going to be a low seed. They're going to get knocked out by, you know, they're not going to get above a six seed. I don't think personally. So if that's the case, they're going to get knocked out by, you know, Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Warriors, a team like that. <laughs> like, it just it's, is what it is. The West no, I know. is I'm, beefy, I'm just la- There's I nothing laugh. you do about it. I laugh because you just mentioned those four teams who are all pot. Like, well, the Warriors will have to wait and see, obviously. But they're all freaking, like, awesome teams. The, I can't see the Warriors not being a top four seed. Right. I'm just saying, you know, Goffer, yeah, of course, of course, of course. He's got to see it again. This is crazy. Boring injuries, and that, all that. Like the Jazz are obviously in the thick of it. The Luka Doncic is already the favorite to win MVP in this freaking league, like to come into this year. So it's craziness. We don't have, uh, we don't have like three more hours to talk about what Oklahoma City can do with Ubre, Rubio, and their seventeen picks over the next seven years. Is that right, Duff? Seventeen over seven. Yeah, seventeen picks between now and twenty twenty seven. Seventeen first round picks. Sorry. So yeah, that's <laughs> just first round. Unbelievable. They're, anyway. they're rebuilding. That's what you need to know about OKC. Exactly. They're rebuilding. There's getting picks, stockpiling assets, trying to trade for whoever. You know, clear might, the cap might, space. you know, yeah, clear the cap space. They were repeat tax get a team for years and years. At one point, it was like them trading away Carmelo Anthony ended up saving them like over fifty million dollars, even though he only made like twenty something because of the repeater tax was just so outrageous and it multiplies on itself you know it's it, every one dollar over you pay a dollar in tax and it goes to a dollar and a half two dollars so if you're 10 million dollars over the tax that could turn into you know 20 million dollars I'm, real, I'm like, overwhelmed real quick i'm overwhelmed 
Yeah, it's um, a lot. And now everybody obviously wants to stay out of the tax for a multitude of reasons, mostly being the cap uh, possibly shrinking or them inflating it with all the COVID craziness anyways. Uh, let's move on. That's good stuff, though. We shall see what happens in Phoenix with Chris Paul and what their true ceiling can be. I am glad, however, that the NBA outsiders are on the tame side because I saw some instant reactions like, oh, they're a Western Conference final contender. It's like, let's let's not let's not go there yet. Let's just not do that with a team that didn't even make the playoffs despite their lovely little bubble run. So we'll see what happens there. On to the next one. This team right here uh, has missed out on the oh not has missed on the conference finals twice. They missed out on the conference finals this year because they lost to the Heat, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, as much as this move is obviously to make them a better title contender, there's an underlying movement here with the Bucks and their thought uh, their thought process. Yes, they want to get better. They want to be the best team they possibly can be to try to win a championship. Obviously, but there's the looming issue of Giannis Antetokounmpo possibly looking to leave the Milwaukee Bucks in free agency. So what do the Milwaukee Bucks do? They say, Giannis, we are showing you that we will do whatever it takes to get the guys you want, the type of players that you and we need to win this damn thing. And that they did. They gave up three picks for Drew Holiday. They also gave up Eric Bledsoe and George Hill. And now there is a, I'm not sure if all the terms are out on this, but they did also make a trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich, which included Dante DiVincenzo. And I'm not sure on the pick situation there. Duff, help me out if you got it. So you're talking about the Drew Holiday one, right? So, well, you, yeah, start, start there. Just, you can run through that. I was looking for the, oh, I got it here too, actually. All right, here we go. Yeah. So Drew Holiday is going to the Bucks. So Bucks get Drew Holiday and a, and second round pick this year. It's number 60, literally the last pick in the draft. Nice. And then the Pelicans get Eric Bledsoe, George Hill. They get the, the Bucks first round pick this year. Which they is get 24. The, and then it skips a few years because maybe they don't even have these picks. I don't know. But then they get um, 2024 rights to swap, 2025 first round unprotected, 2026 uh, rights to swap again, and then 27 is first round unprotected again. So seven years from now. So even if Giannis decides to sign a you know full five year super max extension, right? that's still, these picks go beyond what that contract would be, which is really important and something we talked about last year when Oklahoma City Thunder traded away Paul George and gave got, and the Clippers gave up all those picks like, you know, five, six years down the road. And George was only on the books for like two seasons and Kawhi was only on the books for two seasons. So it's a really dangerous place, like you're saying. They're really just trying to front for Giannis and say, we're all in right now. We're championship or bust where you're our number one priority and your priorities are our priorities. Right. This is what we're doing for you. But just to frame it, just to frame it for the listeners here, everyone remembers the the whole Celtics-Nets trade that happened when uh, KG and Paul Pierce got traded from the Celtics to the Nets and how that turned out to be so incredibly good for the Celtics uh, in terms of picks they got. Ended up being like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, two of the notable picks from that, right? That was three first-round picks and a pick swap, so four total first-round picks. For Drew Holiday, they got three first-round picks, you know, all unprotected. You know, this one's this year. It is what it is. The two are unprotected and two rights to swap. So that's five first-round picks for Drew Holiday, which is 
insane. I didn't realize the market was going to be like that for him. That's just, <sighs> that's, that's a little crazy. You know? And and you know what? So, I, oh, you go ahead. No, I just want to ask a question here because I know in the NBA, these picks get very tricky. So is this really five picks or is it, if they decide to swap in 2024, they lose that unprotected pick in 25 and then it jumps again to 2026 and then they could swap. And if they choose to exercise that right, they would lose the 27 pick. Because uh, everywhere I no, saw, it so was just, yeah, go ahead. It's just a straight swap. So you the right to swap. So you can do it or you cannot do it. So it, that you don't get any concessions if you ch- if you elect not to swap. That's my understanding of it. I haven't seen anything to the contrary. So, ba- so basically, if the Bucks pick is better than the Pelicans pick, the Pelicans get the Bucks pick. If the Pelicans pick is better than the Bucks, they keep their own. Right. Yeah. But I, so they could get a total of five picks, is what you're telling me? No, so so yeah, like, they could get as they could they, get as few as three and as many as five. Well, they wouldn't actually get more. They wouldn't net out five. They would still net out with the same. Thing. So, for example, in oh, 2024, right, right, thank you. right, right, right. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. No, you're, just, you're good. It's good to clear up, honestly, because it is confusing. I know even when, like, I used to play two. Oh, I still play two K. I don't know why I said used to. When I played two K, and you're trying to make a swap, and it says swap best versus swap worst. And it's like, wait, am I getting the better deal here or the worst deal? It gets tricky, so it's a fair question. Uh, and I, I said this to you guys. I phrased that wrong with five picks versus. Right. So that was my bad. The net amount of picks isn't five, but you couldn't get you could get five. You can get two better picks of those five than your own picks. And the reason they do that is because you can't trade consecutive year picks right. in consecutive years due to the Stepien rule. Do the net trade. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This happened in like the '80s. Before. There was this crazy Cleveland Cavaliers owner who traded like oh. his next six first-round yep. picks or something like that. That's right. And that's the league right. was like, "No, you cannot do that." And then we're gonna make a rule to make sure you can't do that. And it's like it was like a whole like Chris Paul block trade to the Laker type deal where they were just like, "No, what are you fucking insane? Yeah. Don't do that." <laughs> exactly. And then also just to recap this other trade here. Uh, the Bucks receive Bogdan Bogdanovich and Justin James from the Kings, who get Dante DiVincenzo, Ursan Eliasova, who feels like he's probably been on the Kings already, and DJ Wilson. Uh, a trade for the Bucks that they get a player that they would not have been able to get otherwise, right? They, they didn't have the cap to sign him. It had to be a sign and trade. They give up DiVincenzo, who I'm sure, you know, people in Milwaukee felt pretty nicely about. Um, you know, at this point in time, but Bogdan is a real scorer, a guy who fits in this system, who could fit next to Giannis because he could stretch the floor and take uh, ball handling abilities away from Giannis and Chris Middleton and even Drew Holiday for that matter. Um, Frank, I want to go to you here because I'm curious what you think about this, like your mindset. So obviously all these picks we just talked about, right? They go all the way to 2027. The Pelicans could have set them up for some incredible incredible pick opportunities in the future here with the Bucks. Now, if you are the Bucks GM, Frank, and you're looking at Giannis and you're saying, I need to keep this freaking guy here, is perhaps giving up a future, future, future number one pick in 2027 if your team sucks after Giannis leaves in five years, but you have those five years of Giannis, is that worth it, Frank? What would be your mindset as a GM? Are you going to truly give away your possible future for five years of a star like Giannis? The Knicks fan, yes. Um, I just feel so starved for it, and he's kind of one of those players where individually he 
cast a team up to at least a playoff level and at least a playoff contender usually. Um, so these specific moves, I actually like them. If you're not going to be able to go out and make moves for additional superstars, which kind of seems the other way to contend in the league, you kind of have to like build a team. And to the points that were briefly mentioned before, I think these moves kind of do just that, putting another guy who can spot up and shoot with Bogdan Bogdanovich alongside um, Middleton, and then another guy to handle the ball and take some pressure off of, again, Middleton and Giannis. Um, I know they paid a lot, but I do think from a team basketball perspective that it kind of makes sense. They're they're pulling all the stops, and if I was GM, I mean, I'd be pulling all the stops to keep Giannis where he is too because not very often you get a guy like that. And it's interesting because we always talk about this one particular aspect of team building when it comes to the playoff time, right? Like, do you have your seven or eight guys, right? The, the lineup shrink and a team like the Bucks, who have probably 10 different guys during the regular season, their lineup shrinks down to six or seven for every team, really. But some teams are deeper in the regular season than others. And then in the playoffs, you have to figure out who your dudes are, right? If you really think about this, Drew Holiday, in ways, accomplishes what Eric Bledsoe and George Hill can do combined, in a way, right? George Hill, George Hill, very solid veteran player who can shoot very consistently with high percentages, but not a super explosive guy who's going to give you big point scores, whatever. Eric Bledsoe, we know his ups and downs with Milwaukee in the past, but what are his strengths? Some playmaking, some nice uh, slashing ability, okay shooting, good defensive upside. Drew Holiday can encompass what both of those guys do into one. If you now take Bogdan Bogdanovich into the effect and then DiVincenzo, Ilyasova, DJ Wilson, etc., you're now taking what like five guys do and you're splitting it in, you're putting it into two guys in Bogdan Bogdanovich and Drew Holiday. This means that you're seeing probably less of a DiVincenzo type, less of a Pat Connaughton type, less of an Eric Bledsoe type that you don't trust in the playoffs. It's truly an upgrade, a two for five upgrade, Kyle, where you're saying, you know, you are losing some depth, but this team depth wasn't the issue. It was consistency in the whole uh, main rotation or main lineup. Yeah, I agree because I thought that sometimes their bench went too deep. Like I thought their rotation was, they involved too many guys where, you know, they should have relied on a guy like Eric Bledsoe more, you know, obviously when he's healthy. Or they should have had uh, Pat Cunnington playing more more minutes. You know, like a guy like DiVincenzo came out and gave him like tough minutes a lot. But I felt like sometimes some of those guys were on the court for too long where now you have a guy like Drew Holiday that, like you mentioned before, a guy that is perfect for almost every situation. You know, Drew Holiday is kind of referred to as one of like the best defenders, on-ball defenders in the league. And Listen, I listened to the JJ uh, JJ Reddick podcast a decent amount, and almost every single person that you know they kind of refer to the the Pelicans at some point. You know, they talk about the Pelicans a little bit. They always say like, "Dude, how do you you know it? It has to be such a luxury, you know, watching uh, Drew Holiday play defense. Like he's so good on defense. So now you like you said, you have another guy that can defend, a guy that can control the offense, a guy that can get buckets." Okay, and I think, you know, at the end of the day, you're 
as as deep as you want your bench to be at the you know once when it comes down to crunch time, who are the guys that you really you know trust? Okay, and I think these are two guys that they can trust as opposed to kind of you know getting spotty uh, spotty performances from those five guys that you just mentioned. They were definitely primed for three three for one trade, like with the Bogdanovich thing. The the Drew Holiday thing is scary because if they don't retain Giannis, then those picks are going to be they're they're just going to get decimated by those picks and the swaps. Um, but they needed top end talent. That's just a fact because Middleton just wasn't the unless he was playing the Celtics, he just was not that killer <laughs> in the postseason. Who's going to go for like twenty five plus thirty plus? So. That from that perspective, it's great, and we've seen the Warriors do it, where you sacrifice depth for top end talent after you know after they got Kevin Durant. Um, but you think about the guys they give up here. So it's it's Eric Bledsoe, George Hill, Dante Divincenzo, Ursan Ilyasova, DJ Wilson, Robin Lopez opted out of his player option. So that's six. That's six rotation guys and starters they lose. You know Wesley Matthews. I think he was on an expiring, right? So he's he's he's, he's out, off the team. Sure, yeah, he's out. So that's so they lost two starters in Bloodso and Matthews started 34 games. Their most frequent starting lineup was uh, Bloodso, Matthews, Middleton, Giannis, and Brook Lopez. So they lose two starters and they lose like five rotation guys. So after that, I mean, I don't. They they're gonna need to find some help and get to like eight decent guy, you know, like three decent bench dudes and really do some magic with how they're going to make the rotations work to make sure they got, th- th- I mean, the good thing is everyone in their starting lineup can give you 20 on any given night, even Brooke Lopez. So that's, that's a real upside. And Giannis is a guy who's like always healthy, pretty much always playing and is kind of an Iron Man that way. And he hasn't really been physically taxed. I mean, we talk about it all the time last game, season. A big right? part of his MVP case, he played less than 30 minutes a game. Um, so that's that's a great thing. But hey, Pete, you might get your wish in the regular season that they're going to play a lot more closer games and learn how to learn how to win some uh, tough games down the stretch. Hey, I'm just saying that that take uh, that take looks pretty good right now. I think. Yeah. I think it takes. Yeah, no, no they they, they yeah. when they get punched in the mouth, they weren't they weren't punching back consistently. And I don't know if it was style of play for Giannis and. Maybe it was just a really bad matchup with the Heat. I don't know, but I'm looking at them right now, and I'm saying, listen, Chris Middleton is a guy who we all, you know, we wanted to him to be consistent. We saw the flashes of brilliance from him, but it wasn't consistent enough ball handling, and it wasn't consistent enough shot creation, whether it be for him or others. You combine Bogdan and Chris Middleton right now, I'm looking at that tandem as, like, secondary ball handlers, shot makers, playmakers, et cetera. That's, that's dangerous right there because... You don't, in a, in a late-game situation, you don't need to now say, Giannis, here's the ball. Go take a con- super-duper contested where the refs are swallowing the whistles, you know, you know, hook shot, Eurostep layup, try to dunk on somebody when there's no room. I don't know. Bogdan can take big shots. And Chris Middleton, sometimes, that pressure off him could be huge for the Bucks. I love the Bogdan stuff. Perhaps just as much as I love the Drew Holiday edition here. I, I think Bogdan's been an underrated player in Sacramento. Weirdly put on the bench, but then coming in and playing crunch time minutes for them anyway. Very strange. Excited to see what happens there with Milwaukee. Um, and now with the Pelicans, they're in a in a pseudo-thunder situation where they got 
three picks from the Bucks. They got three picks from the Lakers for Anthony Davis. They already got Zion, Lonzo, Ingram, among some other young guys, Jackson Hayes, etc. Uh, they're looking like a bright future team as well. They will be extraordinarily fun to watch and see what David Griffin can cook up down there. But let's keep this thing moving, and let's talk about a, a trade that seems like nothing. It seems like throw it under the bridge. It doesn't even matter. But if these other trades like Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, Bogdan didn't go down, we'd probably be opening the show with this. Dennis Schroeder, runner-up for six-man or top three for six-man of the year just this past season, now joins the Lakers. He is a upgrade at... Uh, you know, secondary playmaker slash shot creator for the Lakers. He he can do some things on the court. And one thing you can say about Dennis Schroeder in his year with Chris Paul, he grew as a basketball player and a competitor. He always had flashes. He always had talent. He didn't know if he uh, needed to be the guy when he was in Atlanta. He probably couldn't be the guy. But does Dennis Schroeder help the Lakers stay at top-tier title contender as the West gets a little healthier, stronger, et cetera? Um, or is this not the right fit? Andrew, what do you think? Uh, I mean, just on paper, it's a no-brainer, right? You got a chance to swap Schroeder for Dennis Green. The salaries are the same, right? And they gave up a, a pick. So as far as that goes, it, it's to me, it seems like a no-brainer based on what I saw. Now, will he fit in with LeBron and AD and a, a title culture the way it was? We'll, we'll see, because I know he's bounced around a couple of places, but the games that I watched in the playoffs, he seemed to be a really nice fit, good teammate, and he did some things. Uh, will he be as steady maybe as he was on the Thunder with the Lakers, throwing in LeBron and AD and all the touches that they're going to require? Maybe not. Um, but it's definitely a, a risk that the Lakers are – a risk worth taking, I should say, because they, right, they gave up a little more with the pick. Um, but we'll see. I mean, Danny Green, Number I mean, 28 he, he, pick. Huh? Is the number 28 pick this year, right? Like right. Schroeder is definitely going to be better than whoever that is. Right. Um, the one thing I will say about Danny Green, I mean, I know he did not have a great finals and everyone gave him a load of crap for missing that shot. Um, he has won multiple titles now on multiple teams. So the guy's doing something right. So not only on the court, uh, defensive wise, chemistry running the plays buying into what the coach is saying but he's obviously doing something right in the locker room as well because he's on these winning teams that continue to go out and prove things so it'll be interesting to see uh how Schroeder might fit in with that chemistry on the Lakers side and then also once again let's think about the Thunder right they brought in Chris Paul they brought in Danilo Gallinari some some vets who were on winning teams in in multiple situations that excelled and now the Thunder bringing that back to their old side, assuming they retained Danny Green. And now he's going to be somebody they're going to throw into the mix with all these picks and all these young guys. you got a three-time title winner. you got a guy who excelled also in the college game. He's got a good head on his shoulders, and he'll be able to mold those players just like Paul did. So I think that's another good move for the Thunder, um, and we'll see how it plays out for him. Wait, Kyle, Kyle you, you said you listened to J.J. Redick Pod. Did you listen to the episode with Danny Green? I did not yet. No, I'm I'm actually I went back. I went back and I honestly like started from the very beginning, and I've been going like mm -hmm. all the way up. And I think I skipped over a bunch of people. Uh, I mean, I I skipped uh the Coach K episode because uh I think some of you don't know I'm a huge 
Duke fan. So I've been listening to all those uh, just because like, you know, I'm, I'm like in passing, driving or, you know, doing stuff around the house. So the, the Coach K one is one I actually want to sit down and watch, but I've not gotten to the Danny Green one yet. I was just but, cu- I was curious because if he like, you know, seemed like he thought he was going to get traded or not. I don't think he did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Like I, I thought he, I mean, I'm sure he probably thought he had some job security, you know, and <laughs> it seemed like everyone kind of ha- had his back. But, you know, anybody on LeBron's team is expendable. So, Facts. Uh, you know, like I, I, I think – you know, it's it's gonna be it's a it's a good pickup for for the Lakers. I think you know you have another guard that can go score now and create his own shot, and a consistent one. You know, I feel like he had a pretty good playoffs with uh, with the Thunder and contributed pretty well. Um, and you know, if if you know, for me, I I think it may not seem like a big you know big move, but I think if the Lakers do lose Rondo now, you know, to free agency. And they, you know, obviously they have Schroeder now. It's not really that big of a, as big of a loss because at least you replace him with a guard that can contribute and, and, you know, contribute offensively. But I still do think if they got Rondo back, that would be huge for them. You know, I, I think he's just leadership and another guy that created more shots for AD, easier shots for AD. Um, you know, I think still puts them in such a great spot, you know, in that second rotation. Yeah, for all for all the crap, that Rondo apparently hates with the playoff Rondo title, you know, it's kind of fair. It's kind of fair. Like the Lakers don't even really need him in the regular season. And uh, the way Jared Dudley talked about Rondo throughout the season and throughout the bubble with how, how he picks stuff up about players habits and things in film. And it's incredibly impressive to hear his peers talk about, you know, Rondo's IQ and et cetera. So, even they may not need him for the regular season for the playoffs. He's clearly bring something to the table, whether he's even on the court or not. He seems like he helps these dudes so much, but it also seems like he might be gone from LA, which is kind of crazy to me by his own choice. He might be gone from LA. So I don't, I don't know what Rondo's doing, but the Lakers yeah. seem to have it under control. I don't want to spend too much more time here because let's be honest, LeBron and AD are still in LA. They added a nice uh, point guard and Dennis Schroeder. Uh, we'll see how his consistency holds up, but they're going to be in the thick of it. We'll talk about them a bunch as time. I just want to say, one quick thing about Dennis Schroeder and Danny Green, like you might think you're giving up, uh, you know, shooting, you're sacrificing shooting to get Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder had better spot up uh, catch and shoot three numbers this season than Danny Green did. So hell yeah, Dennis Schroeder reigned, bro. With that, and he's like he's like a Rondo light where he can guard multiple positions on the defensive end. He's he's good right. passer slasher, and Danny Green, like Andrew, you're saying, he's a good pro to have around the organization. That is a hundred percent. If he if he performs well in the regular season, that is 100% a trade. You know, this is a trade for a future trade. Like, Danny Green could easily get flipped at the deadline for a team that needs a, you know, a 3 and D guy, someone who's desperate for that. And then the so Thunder get more picks. Keep an eye out for that. <laughs> Thunder get more, that. The Thunder get more picks. They need oh, more. Oh, yeah, they're going to get yeah, they're another first-round pick. How many, how many more picks do you want? More picks. Anyways, uh... I don't think we even have to say much about this next trade. Robert Covington moved to Portland. It's a really nice piece for them. They obviously lacked that wing scoring ability. Um, I'm sorry, wing defense. Obviously, you know, Melo did give something for them uh, as wing scoring, but he doesn't do much on the defensive end other than having good hands and rebounding. Robert Covington is a guy who can hit shots. He did play a pretty good role, defended well, and did a lot of good things for Houston. That'll help Portland. But what else do we have to say? We have anything else to say about that? I mean, it's Portland. They should be in the thick of it for the, you know, six through eight seed in the West. 
Nurkic is back. Who knows how much that raises their ceiling? I don't know. Frank, is there anything else to say about Portland? Nah. Right? That's what, really. I, that's what I'm saying. It's like, not that it's more of the same, but it's kind of more of the same. They just added a, a nicer, you know, fourth, fifth guy on their team. But we don't have to say anything else. I think where we they, have to go next. Oh, go ahead, Frank. They added Trevor Ariza, a Jace, who will probably actually play. <laughs> yeah, exact, exactly. That's well put. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think Frank, I do want to stick with you here because, you know, you definitely handled being a, uh, a fan of this dude well, especially recently. I feel like you've done a nice job adapting and accepting the certain flaws of Russell Westbrook while still trying to understand his impact and, and, and be honest about what he does do pretty consistently, right? So I wrote down in our notes, Harden slash Westbrook bullshit. And that's literally how I feel about it because all these trade rumors are out there. You know, the Hornets are going for Russell Westbrook. The Knicks are going for Russell Westbrook. The Nets are going for Harden. The Sixers are going for Harden. It all feels like possible. It all feels like BS. It all feels like, yeah, talk to me when we have some actual some actual information here. Like, uh, we're hearing a lot of BS right now. Frank, you look at this Westbrook-Harden situation. You look at Houston. You look at the possible trades. I just want to say this. Like, what the hell is, like, going on here? Because... A, it feels like no one actually wants Westbrook, and the teams that do, I don't even know if I believe the rumors. So defend your mans here, or are you just on the side where it's like, all right, I don't even know what to do with this dude right now? It's tough to say. Um, I'm obviously still a fan, but, you know, value is pretty damn important especially in today's NBA. So he makes a lot of money and his impact on the court is, uh, I don't know the exact word, but you know, it's, it's impactful. It's, it's impactful for sure. Um, every team that has him feels it. Um, but I feel like he's one of those guys. He's either got to go to a team with like a coach that's going to be like, Nope, we're, we're, we're going to be doing this like, or it's going to be more of the same of what we've seen. And we kind of know where, where that ends up or, you know, where that goes. So uh, there's not much to defend. I mean, if I had my choice, I'd send him to, to pop in San Antonio, see what he could do. But mm. besides that, I don't really, you know, I don't even really know of any other coach. I think that would be respected enough to to change his ways because we obviously know that that's what's what holds him back. So I don't. Pop had his choice; he'd send him right back. <laughs> Probably. Wait, hold on though, hold on though, because in this Frank, I actually don't hate that, and here's why: in this in this world of basketball where the three is becoming obviously like the biggest deal, and you need to be able to hit threes, it's the math equation of of basketball, right? The Spurs have kind of zagged on that zig, right? DeMar DeRozan, LaMarcus Aldridge, not really three-point shooters, even, you know, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, DeJounte Murray, all their best players, not really three-point shooters. Davi Spurtans, they let him go. Maybe Russell Westbrook is who Pop who Pop needs in his life right now. I don't know. Maybe it's the perfect zag. Is that crazy? Hey, if they <laughs> trade DeRozan's been his name's been rumored to go back to the Lakers or go over to the Lakers. And he said he be he seems excited about the prospect. So he's gonna need another, you know, empty calorie stat mid-range guy 
to to kind of hit to fill that quota you're talking about. <laughs> it's not crazy, Frank. I'm not gonna lie. He uh, needs another image to redeem. Who better than the former MVP, baby? That's crazy. Ah, it's crazy. All right, well, Kyle, Frank didn't take the Knicks angle here. I think uh, Frank might be just rejecting the idea of Russell Westbrook bringing a Nick because I think you might realize it might be so crazy. Uh, Kyle is the other Nick. Speak it into the universe. Yeah, the other the other Knicks fan on this podcast, Kyle. When yeah. you heard the Knicks link to Russell Westbrook, where'd your mind go? Just, just why? That, that was <laughs> the first thing I thought of. Just why? Went, why? You know, like what? What, what's what is that going to solve? You know. The, the first thing I think about is obviously Russ is going to ball out, right? Okay. He's going to ball out anywhere. Okay. He's going to do his thing. But is he going to get RJ Barrett involved? Is he going to get Mitchell Robinson involved? Is he going to get, you know, Dotson involved? No. He's just going to, you know, he's just going to pretty much come down and do what, do what he does. Now he's good at what he does, but in the, you know, the prospect of the future for the Knicks, they, they can't afford that right now because and then that means all of their picks have gone to shit because the contracts are going to be up. These guys are going to be gone and we're going to be stuck in the same spot we've been in for the past 10 years. You know, so I, I really think if they if they take Russell Westbrook, I'm legit going to lose my mind. I'm going to go crazy because it's, it's we're just going to be right back to where we've been and we're not going to go anywhere. Like, you know, oh, we'll get in the playoffs like oh sick. It'll be awesome. Fun. But like. Who knows if we'll get – we might not get in the playoffs. Like, that's Facts, not guaranteed. You know, it's not Kyle. guaranteed. Bro, I just don't get it. There, I don't get it. There's a ton of data and information at our fingertips right now that lead us to believe Russell Westbrook's ability to carry a team to the playoffs is dwindling. Now, do I think he can carry a team in the Eastern Conference to a seven seed? Sure. Sure. But what about in 22-23 where he's making $47 million, there's no flexibility, nobody's taking that contract again, or maybe they are, but we're getting crap in return, or we have to attach something to it. There is, there is no short-term or long-term win other than a freaking first-round playoff exit with Russell Westbrook on the Knicks. It's, it, it hurts my feelings. And I had a lot of people hit me up on Instagram and text message about the likelihood of Russell Westbrook going to the Knicks or or the goods and the bads of it. A lot of people did say, this is crazy, please don't do this. But there were some people saying, oh, what about Melo? Wouldn't you take him back in that situation? I'm like, yeah, but here's the difference. And people forget about this very, very easily because Melo's old right now. When Carmelo Anthony came to the Knicks, he was 26. 26 years old, okay? He played 20,000 minutes in his career. Do you know where Russell Westbrook is at right now in his career? 31 years old, 30,000 minutes in his career. Not the same. Not the same at all. Duff, you like to keep Knicks fans on their toes. You, you keep it a buck. You keep it a hundred. Can you just confirm that we're, that me and Kyle and I think Frank too are all, are all right here? It's not worth it. It's just not like... The, uh, a, a team like, uh, let's say, Charlotte would make a move like this to kind of make a splash, try to get back in the playoffs, sell some tickets, sell some jerseys, make some money. Like, small market teams, they need that cash grab. Knicks don't need that. Knicks make money. Eat, like, the more they lose, the more money they make sometimes. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> I, I don't even understand it. They make so much money. Like, they have people, I know people who work there, and they, they would be like, yeah, people would actually just walk into the box office off the street and be like, yeah, we're we're in New York for the night or for the week. We wanted to come to Madison Square Garden 
just kind of check it out. What's going on tonight? You'd be like, oh, it's a Knicks game? Yeah, great. Give us some nosebleeds. Well, yeah, we'll show it up <laughs> to a Knicks game. That's it. Enough said. Like, And they think about all the corporate sponsorship suite, seat packages, whatever. They make money hand over fist. They don't need to get big stars to sell tickets. Don't matter. Don't do it. You, you might get a first-round bounce, like you're saying. That's not worth it, especially at almost $50 million a year. I'm glad we put that to rest. I'm glad we just simply put that to rest. It's crazy. Yeah. It's not worth it. There's almost no realm of reality where Russell Westbrook on the Knicks works out in some way better than one playoff round exit. But now that all three of us said, or all four of us said it's not good, they're definitely going to do it. So. Oh, my God. Shut up. Shut your mouth. How about that? <laughs> yeah, shut please your don't mouth. say that. Go ahead, Andrew. Hey, uh, just I, I don't want to talk about the Knicks because I don't care about the Knicks. Uh, <laughs> but just a real quick, like, <laughs> um, like I'm just sitting here thinking we got two guys on the on the Rockets, right, who are rumored to go to the East. And I'm sitting here thinking, well, finally, it's about time that the East might start getting this talent that just keeps flooding to the West. And every year, I feel like we sit here in the off season and during the season, and all these stars end up going West, or the West just seems to be run better, right? Is this possibly a shift that we could see coming back to the East? I don't think either one of, well, I don't think Westbrook should go to the Knicks, nor do I think the Knicks should go after Westbrook, but... I know he's also rumored to go to the Wizards, and I know Harden's been kicked around with uh, Brooklyn, and I know the Celtics are te- uh, kicking the tires on him as well. But at what point do we see that shift where a couple of players in the West who have teamed up after a period of time get, get sick of it and say, hey, let me come East. It's easier, um, and, and I'll be – I know the markets kind of suck, but I'll be a big, a big massive fish in a small pond with actual chance to go deep in the playoffs. And then just like this year with – Miami, a couple of shots go your way, a couple of plays go your way, and all of a sudden you're in the finals, and if a couple of guys don't get hurt, maybe they could have made a run at the thing, and then they could have won it. I don't know. I just I think it's about time that we start seeing a shift just with player movement when the players actually do have control. They can decide where to go. Just a thought. That's a great point. And think words, about the top man. of the West. I think they just ran out of cap space, and it was just like there's literally nowhere for – like. If Harden was going to stay in the West, I don't know where he would go to do it. Like, I don't even know where the money would work, him or Westbrook. Nowhere. nowhere I think for right? me, it's it's two words, bro. It's LeBron James. That's it. Oh, true. LeBron James. Just go away. Like, Whatever you know, conference he's in, just we do need the other to way. go everywhere he's not, <laughs> and we will we will have a shot. Because yeah, right now, like you know, just think about it. Like the entire the, the state of California is like Sacramento right now is like just crying right now. (laughs) Do we have, there's zero shot of us winning any kind of division or like getting into a playoff now, you know, like I I just think that they're, you know, I I feel bad for him, but you know, any, everybody now I feel like it's just like, yo, wherever LeBron is like, let's just go to the opposite location. Right. The perfect example is that Jimmy Butler in the heat example, a, Go back another yep. year, Kawhi Leonard on the Raptors, example B. And now you look at the Celtics and even the Sixers with their issues, like they got to be feeling pretty good about everything again just because there's not that guy. There's not LeBron. Get in the dance. Exactly. Get in the dance right. and see what happens. So, I, I mean, I think that's good on Westbrook. There's not much else to say because I, I truly, truly don't know if I was a GM of a team, 
what possible scenario I would want Russell Westbrook. It would have to be a Hornet scenario where there's no hope and lack of money already, right? That's why the Knicks don't make sense. It's not like the Knicks are itching for dollars right now. I mean, maybe, who knows, maybe maybe James Dolan's pockets are getting tight. I doubt it. Comcast, I'm sure a lot of people are at home quarantined and watching TV. He's doing fine. Like, no, it's time for us to take the air out of the Russell Westbrook conversation. It's like, done. He is inconsequential it's, when it comes to like winning on you. any that's significant it. level. He's completely inconsequential. That's it. And that's what we're going to move on. We're going to cut it right there. That conversation's over as of right now because we still got a lot of shit to get to. Anyways, James Harden, on the other hand, some would argue he's inconsequential. You know who would not argue that is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, allegedly. They're buddies. They've been working out together. They want to play together. Harden said... He wants to be traded to Brooklyn or to Philly with the Sixers, right? So, I, I I don't know even know where to start with this because it doesn't feel real. But does a three-headed monster of Kyrie, KD, and Harden work? Is it worth it for the Houston Rockets to take back Dinwiddie, Levert, and probably crappy picks? I don't know. All these trades to me just seem unrealistic. Duffy, what do you think about Harden coming to the Nets, let alone maybe your Sixers? I think the Sixers have the best trade ship of any team looking for Harden's Ben Simmons. Mm. Uh, I don't think they'll get rid of Embiid. I think, you know, ownership and executives are like very tied to Embiid and not as loyal to Simmons. Like that's just kind of the vibe of what people say and just kind of how the, the team is promoted and marketed and who the fans seem to love more. Um, so Ben Simmons is like the big trump card that the Sixers can play over any other franchise, you know. But if Harden's like, "Look, don't trade for me. I'm not re-signing with you. Don't don't trade for me." And the Sixers could say, "All right, don't don't re-sign with us." But guess what? We got you this year and we got you next year cuz he's got 2 years, not one, 2 years left on his contract. So if he really forces his way to the Nets, and this is like a whole Anthony Davis Lakers situation where it just gets completely insulated, there's no comp- competitive betting process, bidding process for who's going to get Harden. I mean, people worry about oh Nets one ball this that whatever. They'll they'll be the favorite in the East by far. It won't even be close. And this is exactly what we talked about with Milwaukee earlier and the Warriors when they had. Uh, uh, Clay, Steph, and KD, where it's just you'll have an incredible top end of talent. You're going to sacrifice depth, but guess what? If Ky- you know Kyrie's been injury prone, if he gets hurt, you still have James Harden and Kevin Durant. If KD's ankle or Achilles is acting up and he needs some rest, guess what? You still got Kyrie and James Harden. So in any given game, they'll have no matter who they play in the Eastern Conference they will have two of the three best players in the game. Mm-hmm. You know, if they play against Giannis, you know, he'll maybe he's the best player. You know, he's easily top three. If they play against the Sixers, you know, Embiid's probably better than Kyrie. You know, anything like that, anything, right. any other team, they'll, they're either the three best players or the top two. And in that regard, I feel it's enticing. It's enticing. And I'll tell you what, Andrew, Don't back worry to about you. one ball. Don't worry about one ball. All right. right. All those guys can shoot. You put those three guys... Another shooter, just a big man to rim run, rim rim run. Jared Allen, uh, I he guess might be in the trade too, but yeah, I guess DeAndre Jordan's still there, and they'll <laughs> they'll think that's fine, but he's not. Um, I don't know, but that they'll figure it out. That makes me think of Andrew's point though about like the the Eastern Conference stuff too, right? Like 
And those three guys like each other, apparently, right? They really like each other. Does that make them play a style of basketball that's that's better? That's more, you know, sustainable? I don't know, but I, I start thinking about your conference and those three dudes must talk to each other and be like, listen, if we're here in Brooklyn, the three of us, we will be playing LeBron and AD in the finals. And that alone would add crazy intrigue to the Eastern Conference, to the whole NBA, and we would have a star-studded matchup if that were to work out with KD, perhaps, you know, the top two player in the league when he was healthy. We'll see how he comes back. And then two bona fide studs and a former MVP in James Harden. would be It would be absolutely electric. I don't know where else we can go there on that conversation. So let, let's keep this thing moving. And let's finally get into our draft talk because this is uh, the NBA Outsiders on Subway Sports Talk. And this is technically an NBA draft preview, though you may think otherwise if you're listening to the whole thing that we've gone an hour without actually talking about the draft. But now let's get into it. This draft, for starters, is wild. If you're not familiar with this draft, it is bizarre. It is uh, unknown. I think that's a great way to describe it. It's unknown. If you check out just two different big boards from anywhere, from ESPN, Bleacher Report, The Ringer, Chad Ford, uh, NBA Draft, I mean, a tankathon, whatever whatever it is. Look at the mock, mock drafts. Look at the big boards. You can't find more than one place with a very similar board. It's almost impossible. The reason for that being the lack of top-tier talent. It keeps getting uh, uh, put next to the 2013 draft, which obviously was the Giannis draft, but he wasn't Giannis, uh, the Giannis that we knew or know now until much later, right? So top-tier talent, definitely in question. But there is a bunch of dudes who seemingly can play. It doesn't seem like there's going to be a bunch of just duds, a bunch of zeros, but it looks like there's going to be a bunch of, you know, nice starters, good bench players, maybe an all-star or two. When you have a draft like that, just for overarching, you know, mindset, overarching process here, where do you want to be? Do you want to be in a top three spot? I feel like it's extra stressful to be top three and decide between you know, Edwards, Wiseman, LaMelo Ball, rather than being at like 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 15, I don't know, where these dudes have so much variation in big boards. You know, if you're the 12th pick in the draft, you might have a guy ranked 4th who can drop all the way to you. Duff, in that context, how are you even looking at this draft? Like, when you're starting to look at these these guys, these names, where teams are landing in the picks, what are you even thinking about? Where does your mind go to? I think that, you know, in a draft like this, everyone's looking to trade back, you know, get more assets for a later to for a draft to be named later. Hopefully it's deeper. I think we should, as an organization, the association, the the National Basketball Association should trade this draft back. Just no draft this year. Just have no draft. Just take all these players, say you're eligible for the 2021 draft and just sit at home, work out, go back to IMG Academy, whatever you want to do. <laughs> This draft is trash, people. It is god-awful. My take for this draft is just going to be the best player is not going to come in the top three. I, it, Anthony Edwards, I'm not sold on him. Like any other draft, I feel like he'd be a really good eight pick. He's just a guy with a lot of raw talent um, who doesn't have a ton of refined skills. You know, if Obi Toppin was 19 instead of 22, he would be the consensus number one pick. Uh, I think it's really strange that everyone's kind of hand-waving him because of his age and, you know, his defense. But, like, 
have we mentioned defense on this podcast once? Like, it's the NBA. Who cares about defense? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? We do a bit, but whatever. So, yeah, we literally, we literally once with with Drew Holiday. That's once it. Once in an hour. That's this was exactly Frank. Who cares about defense? <laughs> so, I, you know, Lamelo Ball. He's a guy who's gonna get a lot of praise. I mean, I've I don't even know how tall that guy is anymore because on all these mock drafts, <laughs> I've seen him. I, I've seen. I swear to God, I've seen him listed in a four-inch range. I've seen him listed at 6'10 to 6'6. I don't know. I've seen him between like 180 pounds and 210 pounds. I don't know what's going on. And I don't think anyone does. Anyone who tells you they know what's happening in this draft, they have no idea what's happening. The best player from this draft is not going to come in the in picks one, two, or three. Mm. I think the safest pick is James Wiseman because he's seven foot one crazy athlete but he played literally two games yeah. at memphis two games so i i don't know what to do with that i mean really i'm i'm really interested i think that the knicks are in like a really interesting sweet spot here i know it's rare for me to praise them but i feel like the eighth pick is a is a really nice sweet spot and that it could get i mean who knows if ob top and falls snaps snatch him up i can't see him fall to eight but like someone like tyrese halliburton point guard from iowa state six five my guy 185 he you know he he's a diverse kind of combo guard that that could be fun to watch i mean but the guy i love rj hampton rj hampton's like six four point guard shooting guard people may not know who he is he went to the nbl too um just like lamello ball did Except he that is. he wasn't giving the keys to the team in the NBL, and he had to play like an actual role on a team rather than say, "Here, Lamelo, go shoot twenty-five times." Yeah, I mean, Lamelo Ball has done done nothing but play AAU basketball since he's twelve, and there's been no like coherent performance from him in any sort of like actual basketball. Here's your role. This is what you want to do for your teammates. This is how you get better and how this is an efficient way to play like he's just shots passes like think russell westbrook on that season he won the mvp for okc like I, i'm i'm really not trying to throw shade at russ in that scenario but it was it was so russell centric and Lamelo since lonzo left chino hills it's been so Lamelo centric I, I think rj uh rj hampton is is an adult he's a crazy athlete he's already making claims that he's the fastest guy in the NBA as soon as he gets drafted. I think De'Aaron Fox would like to have some words about that. But RJ Hampton for the Knicks, like that's that's who I would be really excited for. Someone that people haven't seen, he's under the radar. He's been projected in like the mid-teens. So uh, that that's how I feel about this draft, and that's kind of why we buried, uh, buried it here. And I think we're going to see an insane amount of transactions on draft nights. It's going to be oh my gosh. real weird who's swapping back and all this crazy stuff turn on your wojifications your shamsifications and just let it ride open a beer and uh pack a lip and watch the draft in peace it'll be fantastic (laughs) uh kyle before we get into the knicks specific stuff because i do really duff i agree with you and it's not just about the knicks if this wasn't a podcast you know based out of new york where we do talk new york sports we could take the seventh pick the ninth pick the 11th pick and have that same conversation that you just started there but kyle i want to go to you is there a surefire number one pick for you? And I don't know if you want to say like a guy you think is going to be picked first or a guy who you think is the best, wherever you want to go with that. No, I don't think so. I, I think it's what each team is looking for. You know what I mean? Like it is, are the Timberwolves looking for a guy to just like completely take over and just be like, Hey, you know what? We're going to follow this guy. You know, LaMelo's going to, you know, pretty much, 
compliment Cat and, you know, get us into a set and get Cat easy buckets? Or is Anthony Edwards going to come to our team and just completely just give us, you know, 20, 25 a night, you know, or, or bat, you know, I don't think he's going to give you 20, 25 a night, but you know what I mean? Like, you know, just consi- give you consistent buckets. You know, I, cause they're, Minnesota's in, in such a like weird spot right now. You know, they could be, you know, a nine or an eight and sneak into the playoffs. But what, you know, as, at least as of right now, what are they going to do? You know, I feel like they're, they're like a team with, with a lot of needs, but you don't know where to start, you know, if that's fair. You know, I, I, don't, I don't really know, you know, if they want a point guard or if they want a two or, you know, what, what, the, what the Warriors could do. And, I, and personally, like for the Warriors, I mean, I, I think I would pick Wiseman, I guess. I think they would fit that, that system probably the best, you know, to have an athletic big that can guard multiple spots and, you know, can score and clean up the glass and dominate the glass, you know, something that they haven't had uh, in a while from since, a, from since a Bogut. You know, they, they had, right, they had Bogut, and, then, you know, they had McGee in that, that, that spot. But, you know, what, what really was McGee giving them con- consistency? He was really like a guy that, that started the game and really probably played 15, 20 minutes, you know. So, for me, I think they should pick Wiseman, but there's no, there's no surefire you know, number one pick. I think it's really just depends on what these teams are really looking for. And for the Timberwolves, I have zero clue because they have a lot of, you know, I feel like they have a lot of holes that they could, they could meet, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's insane. And I'm kind of sad that like, you know, this is what it comes down to with our podcast right now where we have to talk and we can get into specifics about more players and we're going to do that in a moment. Don't get it twisted, but to have this conversation is so, like, it's so convoluted. Because, like Duffy said, every team wants to trade back right now. But when every team wants to trade back, there's going to be minimal trading back. Because, you know, if you're the 12th team and you're looking at a guy who you're hearing might go, like, 8, but, like, half the league has him at 16 on the board, what are you going to give up to move up three or four picks at this point in time? It, it becomes really tough. So I just want to read this to you. Right now, for the first overall pick, this is on DraftKings. It's very similar on FanDuel. I checked it before as well. LaMelo Ball is the favorite. And now I'm very upset with myself because just two days ago, LaMelo Ball was minus 220 to go number one, and Anthony Edwards was plus 150. I was like, that's stupid. Let me bet on Anthony Edwards to go first. Just in a day, I missed it. Now it's pretty much even. LaMelo is minus 120. Anthony Edwards is minus 118. And then the next guy is James Wiseman at plus 900. So Vegas, or at least DraftKings, is telling us, one of these two guys is going first. And that, to me, brings me to believe that Anthony Edwards will be the number one pick in the draft unless the Timberwolves find a trade partner who really wants LaMelo Ball. I don't imagine the T-Wolves going with LaMelo Ball, D'Angelo Russell, and Carl Anthony Towns because that sounds like a bunch of inefficient points besides from Carl Anthony Towns. He's extremely efficient. And terrible, terrible defense. You have to go with the upside on defense with Anthony Edwards. And, you know... Anthony Edwards didn't have a ton of assists at Georgia, but it wasn't really because he was not a willing or good passer. His team kind of just really stunk. I really like Anthony Edwards. I think he should be looked at as an Oladipo type, where Oladipo was never truly looked at as a number one pick, but in that two to five, six, seven range for where his draft was, you looked at him very, very highly, and you really appreciated what he can do and bring to the table. I like Anthony Edwards a lot. My best bet 
if you're trying to gamble on who's going to be the number one pick, don't waste your money on LaMelo Ball. Go for Anthony Edwards. This will be a beautiful freezing cold take when the Timberwolves take LaMelo tomorrow or tonight. But that's my feel on the number one pick is can you fathom, as a general manager of a basketball team, putting LaMelo Ball next to D'Angelo Russell and saying, yeah, that's a good idea. Because I'm telling you, Kyle, you said something about the Timberwolves being a nine seed. Bro, I see them more likely getting the number one pick again than being anywhere damn near the playoffs. This team is not no, ready no, to win. Yeah. This team is not ready to win. No, right. I, I ball, they're getting a top five pick next year. Easy. No, right. And I just think that's like the you know the best. That's their ceiling, though. You know, yes. I'm not saying like right, oh, right, right. They're, they're if everything goes well, the they're best. competing for an eight right. seed. Dude, that is the best possible situation for them because what you know besides Cat and and D'Angelo Russell. Like you said, who's playing defense and who else is on that damn team? Like, like I, I still who, don't who actually, do not know. Who actually is you know? on that team? Who is on their team? <laughs> who is on that team? Somebody name three more Timberwolves <laughs> right now. I dare you. Gorgie Jang, is he still – did he get moved? I think he got moved. He's not on them anymore, is he? I don't, honestly, Dario Saric. Dude, did he, I think he's a free agent. All right, never, never mind. <laughs> That's a great point. Corey Jang's on the Memphis Grizzlies. Yes, he's actually on the Memphis Grizzlies. I'm, I'm currently looking up the Minnesota Timberwolves roster because I don't know who the hell is on there. Derrick Rose. No, he's on the Pistons, dude. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, Nas Reed from Roosevelt Catholic is on, uh, is on the Timberwolves. Okay, but, so uh, they, like, they got Malik Beasley from the town. They, shout out Nas Reed, sure. And then they got Okoji yeah, but, but, and Jared but, Culver. For, for our for our conversation, we were just talking about Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell. So, I mean, not, no disrespect to Nas Reed. But. They have no – oh, I'm sorry. Aside from James Johnson, there is no player on, this, on the Minnesota Timberwolves roster as it stands today over the age of 26. Wow. That's, I mean, hey, you know what? If you're going to suck, that's the right way to suck, I guess, huh? I that's don't know. top five pick if I ever saw. I I'm saying I'm saying, and I don't I don't hate Culver. I don't hate a Koji. Those guys are are nice little players who can do some things on the basketball court. I'm I don't know. I I oh my gosh, I'm having anxiety thinking about the Timberwolves right now. Anyways, uh, Andrew, I want to direct a question to you because your brother mentioned Obi Topin before. Obi Toppin or Topin? I'm not sure. Anyways, Toppin. Toppin. Obi Toppin. And I want to direct Obi this question Toppin. to you specifically, Andrew, being. You know, you are kind of like a, a college basketball guy in a sense where you have a great wealth of knowledge in that regard. Uh, you have some personal experience in, in the game. So, Obi Toppin, Toppin, Topin, did I mess it up again? Anyways. Don't overthink it. He was the best player in college basketball this year, right? He was the number one college basketball player. When you see a guy like him with his freak athleticism, at least vertically or, you know, straight, he can't really have a lot of lateral quickness at the moment. But when you hear that the best college player in the country could fall from anywhere between 3 to 12, with some people saying, you know, he's going to be such a bad defender because he can't move laterally. Like, what do you th- what do you think? Where does your mind go when you hear something like that? Because it sounds like a slap in the face of college basketball. And also, we did get stripped of March Madness and perhaps an opportunity for him to even boost his stock even more. Oh, work that, was work that, so work that, work that, baby. First timer. I'm a first timer here. <laughs> uh, that's that's a good question, there, Pete. And and I, as you guys have been talking, I've been thinking about 
things about this draft that uh, are different than just players because I haven't read a ton about the players. But one thing that came to my, my mind was practically everyone that's on the mock the mock uh, mock drafts is a freshman and sophomore, right? So, like, where are the colleges developing these players later on? I know the talent leaves, right, to go to the draft and make the money and get picked and the NBA grab them. But where are the colleges developing these players in their junior and senior years? And then also I'm thinking – what is that telling us about the state of the game, right? We were actually talking about this just yesterday or was it earlier today? I can't even remember at this point, but we were talking about AAU and post-grad years and kids being pushed by their parents and handlers and AAU coaches to do these things that necessarily wasn't the best thing for them as players in their development. So like, where are we in the game at this point where we have drafts like this when we have so much talent in this country and the world for that matter, that we're sitting here saying like, there's nobody who's the surefire number one pick or even top three pick. Like it's kind of crazy to think about that when you have players just everywhere oozing that we can't figure this out. Um, so to me, this draft this year might not be that interesting, but looking back two and three years from now, I think it's going to tell us a lot about, uh, organizations, coaches, scouts, uh, you know, player development, because the teams that win this draft are really going to probably have a leg up in a few years because just they're, they're obviously smarter and doing things better than other teams. So I think that's one thing that we forget about these drafts is because it's not sexy because there's no Zion or when we have Durant and Odin. But it's something really cool to think about organizations and following the game and the evolution is how these players are being found and developed. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens. That's such an awesome point. And the guy who came to mind when you said that is Robert Williams, the guy on the Celtics, the Time Lord, because he's a dude who was projected to be a, a lottery pick his entire time at Texas A&M, I believe. And all of a sudden on draft night or during the workouts, he had some issues and you know, he just fell off the face of the earth during draft night. He ended up going to the Celtics. Now, soon as the Celtics picked him, you know, 14 picks after he was projected, it was, oh, snap, like the Celtics got the steal of the draft. Like they're going to hook this guy up. He's going to be a player. But if Robert Williams got drafted to, um, you know, the Kings at 34, it's like, ugh. well, there goes Robert Williams' career. And, and that's such a great point because Obi Toppin could go, to uh, a team like the Timberwolves, which he probably won't go number one, but or the Hornets at number three, and you're going to go, eh, he might have some numbers. His career is not going to mean anything. But if he falls down to a team at like 11, which is the Spurs, or even further down 13 with the Pelicans or 14 at the Celtics, we're going to start saying, oh, snap, Obi Topin, how did he drop? How did he go so low? The Celtics just stole him at 14. And, and that's exactly what this is going to show. That's a great point, Andrew. The other thing is like where these players are coming from in college, like how the, the you talked about AAUs, all this stuff, like the American system of how you develop players and what it is now. And like, these are all guys who were born in 2002 and someone who's Oof. been like way high up on the draft board, Killian Hayes played in France and he's like a six, five guard that Kevin O'Connor from the ringer has him at number one. No one else has him even close to that high, but like we've been saying all along, if you think you know who the consensus number one pick is, 
you're a liar because no one knows who's going to be the best player in this draft. But if we see someone who comes from, you know, comes over from the European system, a guy who's kind of got to play amongst professionals and not just, you know, academic All-Americans, you know, it, it, it could be a totally different mindset for those guys coming over to play professional basketball like we saw with someone like Luka Doncic. I know that's the example to the extreme, but you, you kind of get where I'm going with it. Now that European basketball, international basketball is developing, you know, the in in how popular it is, the way that they develop players is going to is going to progress as well because there's so much more money involved with all these teams and their leagues that they'll see these younger kids as, you know, these really important financial investments for their teams in the future, you know, and they could say, well, we'll get all the young talent to come here. We'll be like a great hotspot for people who want to play, be competitive, maybe go to the NBA. Maybe they want to stay here. Yada, yada, yada. This shit is, o- this yeah. is overwhelming, bro. I was thinking it's, about that. It's just crazy. It's, it's it doesn't make this draft doesn't make any sense. And it's just the fit. Fit's so important. Fit is so important. What team you go to, like Andrew said, what team you go to is is really going to kind of make or break. Yeah, th- this is this this type of draft too is a little bit of a warning a warning for the Thunder and the Pelicans, right? They're getting all these draft picks. They're stockpiling, but you you have no idea what the drafts are going to be like two, three, seven years from now. Look at the Celtics. They got three first round picks. And no, and everyone could care less, right? It's it's not an exciting draft. So now they have three picks. They can't trade them. They're trying to, you know, go from four or five, you know, really, really good players to like three excellent players, but they can't trade their picks because the draft isn't that great. So that's one thing, you know, the Pelicans, for instance, they have to be worried about. They have a really young core. They have all these draft picks, but are they going to nurse that core correctly or are they just going to take some risks on these, on these guys in the future and just throw them in there and they're not going to fit. And now they're going to have, you know, systemic organizational issues. So the flip side is what Kyle said earlier, why players might want to go East because LeBron James, you look at the West, you look at the Lakers, the Clippers and uh, the Nuggets, the Warriors, like those are teams that do, do not project to be bad teams over the next five years. You know, like if they kind of stay the course, they're always going to be competitive for a title over the next five years. And OKC could be playing, just rolling those dice and say, hey, we might get some bad drafts, but like, what are we going to fight for? An eight seed, a seven seed, get swept out of the first round? What are we doing here? Let's just, we might get shitty drafts. They might be great drafts. We might get the next Zion. Who knows? We, you know, we're just, this is, this is how, like, the highest ceiling play for us in the long term is just to really hope we can build through the draft. And, and, and more so than, even just add to that point, Duffy, we're talking about having these picks. This is very much so a draft that can produce a top-tier player in that 15 to 30 range. So if you are a Denver Nuggets that's sitting at 22, if you're a Jazz at 23, you're feeling great right now. You're like, I might have a good chance at somebody who I have ranked 14th on my board, even though I'm picking 23rd because there's so much variation. Like if I told you right now, if Cole Anthony became one of the best players in this draft. Would you be shocked? Should you be shocked? Kyle, like this dude, we've been hearing about him for a minute, right? He was the best player in high school in the country, won MVP for an all, all American McDonald's, all this crap. 
He came into UNC yep. to save their their season. They weren't a great team. Then he gets banged up. The team was trash. All this stuff. His draft stock plummets. This dude is an adult who we've been. If you follow Chris Brickley on Instagram, you've been seeing him work out with Chris Brickley for like years. Kyle, yeah. you look at a guy like Cole Anthony. He's projected to go anywhere from like fifteen to like thirty at this point in time. How could you be shocked if he ends up being really good? I wouldn't be honestly. I really wouldn't. I, I think I think Cole Anthony has so much potential, man. And and I think he got not not a raw deal at, at Carolina, but he just you know just bad luck, you know, getting injured. Because I think if he didn't get injured and played a full season, I think he'd be much you know you know like we were just saying you know the draft could vary or whatever. But just projected, I think he could be a pro- definitely a higher projected pick because you know he kind of he does everything, man. I mean he he can score at all three levels. He can finish at the basket. He's athletic. His dad's a pro, so you know I think that definitely helps with him. You know, uh, uh, you know his maturity as a professional athlete, and I think uh, you know he 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 was something somebody that I definitely had my eyes on as a Knicks fan. Like, dude, if if you know just in the, in the beginning of the process, like, oh man, like, dude, if we can get Cole Anthony, like that would be awesome because I think that that would be a, a steal you know, for us, but now it looks like, you know, we might be projected somewhere else to, uh, you know, the, the guard from Iowa state, but, um, you know, I, I think wherever I, obviously we talked about before the right fit, I think if he gets set up with, you know, a, a team that can help him right away and get him involved, you know, and, and on the floor right away, I think he could really have a great career as a pro man. He, he, he can really fill it up. And even though Cole Anthony's projected to be picked in like the late teens at the earliest, taking him eighth, like I would not think that was crazy for well, the Knicks. Yeah, I really wouldn't. Yeah. You know, you know who it's would like, think that's crazy, by the way. Yeah, Chad Ford, who has Cole Anthony projected twenty seventh to the Knicks at their other pick in the first round. Wow. Yeah, how see, about that? Would how be, about that? That would be a steal and a half right there. That's huh? what I'm saying. But steal, man. It, it so it's just so weird, Connor. and honestly. Really? Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, His new mock, yes. But, but it's it's just that kind of draft, you know? It's just, it. I've never seen a draft like this where it was just so flat across the board, I feel like. And uh, honestly, something I would look for is, now that you mentioned it, Cole Anthony, someone who's, whose dad played in the league. Like, you look at Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Gary Trent Jr., uh, Donovan Mitchell, his dad was a pro athlete, not an NBA player, but a baseball player. Like, guys like that have a history of just kind of being really solid professionals you know like if you kind of have a late lottery pick or beyond that that could be something to look out for like it's so i feel kind of stupid saying this and like this is the kind of draft it is where it's just like you're looking for all these little edges to kind of differentiate between the players but in it kind of goes hand in hand with what we were talking about earlier is the immaturity that these guys have kind of grown grown up in in this like almost the AAU circuit and college is like a parody of itself now where it's just so brand centric and just less about players and development. Like someone who has that internal motivation and kind of that uh, familial infrastructure of how to be a professional and how to just kind of go about your business in a really mature way. Like that's something that could be really important. Familial infrastructure. I love that. That was amazing. Guffy. Uh, well, let Let's get down to, as they say, brass tacks. Is that how the saying is used? I don't know. Let's get down to it. Um, we're going to center this around the Knicks, but the Knicks in that eight spot, the sweet spot that Duffy described before, 
they really have a chance to end up with a guy like Tyrese Halliburton, who's projected from four to twelve, or a guy like Devin Vessel from uh, from Florida State, who's projected from like five to fifteen, or Obi Toppin or uh, Oneka Okongwu, who can go as early as third or fourth or twelve. It's just absolutely insane. Killian Hayes, who's Kevin O'Connor's number one guy on his big board, but mocked around five to ten. So we're gonna use the Knicks at being a New York podcast. Uh, and being in that eight-centric spot in the draft to talk about a number of prospects here. So we'll go kind of quick hitting. Frank, I want to go to you first. Is there one dude with this number eight pick for the Knicks that you're kind of just being like, I really hope we get that guy? No, I really <laughs> don't know any of these guys. Uh, I won't try to sugarcoat it or flip it any other way. I, I really don't know much about any of them. Uh, but keep the ball family out of New York. That'll be my one comment. That counts. That counts. Yeah. He could fall. We didn't mention him for the Knicks, but he could fall, which is crazy. Okay. Keep, keep him out of New York, though. That's a that's a fine take. All right, Kyle, I'll go to you first. Is there one dude for the Knicks in that eight mm. spot that really jumps to your mind that if they end up saying his name on draft night, that you'll be thrilled? All right, so I already mentioned Cole Anthony, but, you know, whatever. I, I, I would really like Cole Anthony, but also another guy, you know, from, from watching, you know, or just, you know, looking up, doing some research and stuff. Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. Really like Tyrese Maxey. Um, definitely a guy that like, I was, I was just like watching like highlights and stuff. And he's like, he's like a, a winner, man. Like you can tell, like he has almost like that, that Colin Sexton, like that toughness to him. But He's a guy that can score, a guy that can shoot the three, guy that gets people involved. Um, there was actually a thing on Bleacher Report a couple of days ago, and they interviewed uh, Cali Perry on it, and they kind of like did like you know a day with Tyrese Maxey or whatever. And Tyrese Maxey is like getting twelve shots, twelve twelve thousand shots made per week since May twenty third. Wow, which I think was like pretty impressive, and he's like busting his ass. And Cal Perry said. He's he's in the ballpark, you know, conversation of a guy with like Jamal Murray and and Shea uh, Gilgis. He said like verbatim. He said these he's in that ballpark of wow. guys that like if you don't if you don't draft him, you're gonna regret it. And I was like shit. Like John Calipari's been coaching a lot of dudes, man. And I was like if he if he said those two names, you know, obviously recency bias. Like you know, with those two kind of making it more relevant for us, I was like shit. Like. Yo, if we pass on them, like I don't want, I don't want to have another Donovan Mitchell experience or a fucking, you know, another Steph Curry experience. Like, dude, if we can get this guy, let's get him. So that's that's my my guy. I, ho- I hope we can we can pick up. But and and you a, know, obviously, a, a lot of guys that could that could hopefully contribute for us. You know, besides them, absolutely. And a great point that you added there that we haven't really touched on yet. In this weird COVID year, you have guys who. Once their college season ended, probably, you know, stayed in shape, worked out a bit, did what they had to do, and probably chilled out and played a lot of video games, chilled with their boys, did some stuff here and there. And then there's dudes, like you said with Tyrese Maxey, like a guy named Tyrell Terry, who's not in the Knicks range really, probably a little later, though, who knows. They apparently, you know, added weight. They've gotten crazy shape. They've added things to their game. Those dudes, and you could learn those things in the interview process, even though they're on Zoom, like, those things can really make a difference, especially about the character, uh, of the makeup of a player and how much better they want to be. 
You look at a guy like Tyler Hero. I'm sure the people who got him in a room for draft time, you know, people from that range of 10 to 20 last year, were like, oh my God, this guy like really, really wants it. And if you get Tyrese Maxey in a room and you feel that same thing, it doesn't matter that he's mocked at 20. Because if you feel like he's that dude and has that edge, you take him at eight and you don't bat an eye if you really think so. So I like that. Duffy, anybody who jumps to mind for you for the Knicks at eight? I know you mentioned uh, a one guy before. You can go with him again or go with another guy. Well, yeah, I think just in terms of like realistically who could fall and, and really be in the mix, RJ Hampton, I I'm just kind of a believer in that guy. Um, I love the Tyrese Maxey. I did not know that story about him making like 12,000 shots a week. That's insane. So I just on that alone, like that's just kind of dry. I hear something like that. I, I might be sold on it. Um, right. Killian Hayes, Killian Hayes. If he makes, I've seen him mocked from like five to 16 to 17. Like if, if you can get, I don't think he, I don't think he's going to follow the Knicks. If he does, just I would snatch him up. So I'd say, uh, I would say Hayes. I would say um, Hampton. If by some miracle Obi Toppin drops, take him. Number, like that should be the first choice for them, but I don't think I'll fall. And then, like, that's it. That's my top three for the Knicks. There you go. I like that. And, uh, you know, Killian Hayes, bro. I'm saying I'm right there with. I'll get to mine in a moment, but Killian Hayes, man. Wait, I don't he's, think he's six five with like a six nine wingspan. I and I think he'll. I think he's gonna keep growing. I like, don't. I don't think uh, Kevin O'Connor <laughs> sipping Kool Aid, putting him one on the big board. I think that guy can really play basketball. Really, w- look at his. Go to YouTube before the draft tomorrow. Watch his game highlights. Don't watch his like super cut highlights. Go to his game highlights and his team in France. They. Like, defer to him, an 18-year-old. They're like, oh, snap, there's eight seconds in the clock. Uh, Killian Hayes, please save us. And he does. Like, he makes plays. He makes passes. He whips passes. He got the left-hand smoothness. Floater game is really, really strong. And he's got touch. And his shooting hasn't been super consistent. But the foundation of a jump shot is there for not just spot up, but for the sidestep, the step back. Killian Hayes, to me, looking like no joke. He's one of the few guys I actually watched like the game highlights like you're talking about. And he sh- he shot under 30% from three, I think. But he yeah. shot like high 80s, almost 90% from the free throw line. So that's usually like a good indicator of like, hey, he's got the form. He's got consistency. He just needs more practice at it. So I need, he's 18. He's 18 years old. So just take a swing. The French connection of him and Frankie Smokes, Frankie Nilakina in the backfield. That, in the, ba- the backfield, football on my mind. In the backcourt. Uh, will be very interesting. Um, Andrew Duffy, anyone jump to mind for you uh, in regards to the Knicks at eight? I'm not sure uh, what guy I would you know recommend because, like I said before, I haven't done a ton of reading and know all the names. But I think with the Knicks, the most important thing to continue to do is to build the organization. And I know everyone's sick of hearing about the Heat culture, but the Knicks have to kind of do that. There's no quick fix to these type of issues, especially in the sports world. Once you fall behind, especially as far behind as the Knicks are, there's no silver bullet. Every now and then, you know, a LeBron comes along, but you can't, can't, you know, put all your eggs in one basket. The Knicks have to continue to build the organization, separate themselves from the toxic environment that Dolan has built, whether or not it's true. You know, I can't say I'm not there, but it seems to be very true. 
and the one thing that is tough that I do understand is that this area loves basketball. New York City loves basketball. The tri-state area loves basketball, college, pro. So there is that pressure that doesn't exist in many other teams and organizations around the league to find that silver bullet, but it just, it doesn't exist. So they just have to keep building with, you know, quality players, not only on the court, but also off the court. And that'll all pay off in the long term, so that when they do come around and they do sign that big free agent, or they do fall into that fantastic draft pick, they'll have the core and the pieces built around them. You know, just like some of these other teams are doing. You know, Chris Paul will bring it full circle, right? You know, that type of guy when he's there and he's helped building that culture, the Thunder. Hopefully, they'll they'll feed off of that. Knicks need to do the same thing. And that that's something that makes uh, Kyle's take on Tyrese Maxey feel really strong. There, right? It's a guy who, according to reports and according to stories, has what it takes to be a culture guy, to bring the energy, to bring the work ethic, and to build something more than just a bunch of players, to build a culture, like you said, Andrew. I think and it's a great call, and it's tougher than ever to figure out who that's going to be, but hopefully they can find somebody to bring that energy and also to bring some scoring potential or to bring some actual you know, gameplay potential. Uh, to the team as well. Uh, for for me, I'm going with Tyrese Halliburton. I'm just worried he's not going to be there for the Knicks to get, but he's been my guy for the Knicks um, for a long time, going back into pre-COVID era when college basketball was still going on. The full NBA was actually playing. Um, but Tyrese Halliburton is a dude to me who reminds me of Shea Gilles Alexander in the sense that they do a lot of things, but they're very low maintenance. The playmaking is evident when you watch him play. He can do a lot on offense off the ball. He can spot up. His shot isn't exactly smooth, but it's pretty efficient. He has a floater game. He's efficient off the dribble. He makes his teammates better, uh, and his feel for the game is top-notch. He also looks like he could be a very solid defender. He's a sophomore, so, you know, some people will see that and be like, oh, you know, how come he wasn't good enough to be out his freshman year? Everybody's not that guy. Everybody's not, you know, done growing. Everybody's not fully matured physically or mentally. Who knows what it is? All I know is when I watch Tyrese Halliburton play at Iowa State on every single YouTube clip I could freaking find of the guy, I've been impressed. I've enjoyed watching him play. He looks like the guy in this league who can not only be a true one, he can play as a two. He can guard multiple positions, and that stuff really excites me as the Knicks need to figure out what the hell they're doing at the guard position. This is a guy who can play with another point guard. He can play with two guards, and I love what he brings to the table. That being said, I am not convinced that he will be on the board. The other guys who I'm really looking at are, include Killian Hayes. Also don't think he's going to be there. And uh, then another guy who I'm, I'm kind of torn about, when I watch him, he looks like a skinny Rashard Lewis sometimes. He's from Florida State. His name's Devin Vassell. He's gotten a lot of uh, draw in that eight range. The Knicks seem to be intrigued by him. He can shoot the ball. He's big. He moves decently well. He, he, he runs around on defense all right. I'm not in love with him, but just as a name to keep an eye on, Devin Vassell. The other guy, last but not least, Patrick Williams out of Florida State. Another guy I'm not completely sold on, but when you look at this draft, you want to find somebody who has a decent floor with some upside. And this is a guy who fits that mold exactly to me. He's a he's a big a, a wing slash big guy who 
who moves pretty well, but a little bit clunky at this time of life, but he's thick. He's got a good build. He's an absolute hound on the defensive end. He wasn't even a starter for Florida State, but their team was really, really good, and he was a sixth man. He put like nine points a game on the board, but this guy, if you watch him, was flying around on defense, on ball, off ball. Shot blocking didn't matter, and he seems to have a decent touch uh, from range. So he's a guy who is looked at between 5 and 15, but Patrick Williams, if he falls to 8 and Topin's not on the board, Hayes ain't on the board, Halliburton's on the board, he's a dude with some upside who I think his floor is better than some of the dudes, maybe like Tyrese Maxey, maybe like Kira Lewis, Vassal, RJ Hampton, etc., um, so that's kind of my take on the Knicks there. That's Devin Vessel, great, great call by you. Shot over 40% from three. Yeah. On, on over mean, like 100 attempts this past season. Wasn't even a full season, had over 100 attempts, shot over 41% from three. And bro, he's got, he's got like the range range too. It's not like he's taking advantage of the college three. He's letting it fly with closeouts coming his way. He has a high release, doesn't seem to be affected by it. It's like a, is like a starter three and D player. Exactly. And, and if you're really, you know, you have to figure out what you are. Leon Rose needs to know what he's looking for. And if he thinks he can get a really high upside guy like Hayes, that's fantastic, but he probably won't be there. Do you want to go with a high upside guy like RJ Hampton? Or do you look at him like a lot of the league looks at him and say, eh, we just don't know enough. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Cole Anthony, same concept. So it's really, really tough. And Patrick Williams and Devin Vessel, to me, are safer picks. But to call them safe is probably not completely fair. A, because they can bust. And B, because they do have uh, better upside. So, yeah, there's, there are some other dudes, though. There, there's other dudes, man. If you look through this draft, you know, and you start talking about Malachi Flynn from San Diego State, He's a dude who, if you watch him, you're going to be like, holy hell. You watch Ty, Ty, Have you guys watched any of uh, Tyrell Terry by any chance from Stanford? Have you guys seen this guy? Negative, no. Okay, so if I've, I've watched his tape. Kevin O'Connor's been talking about this guy like crazy. I think he put him in like the top 10 of his big board. So him and Killian. He's, seven. he's 17 seven? right now. No, that's on the mock draft. On the big board, I think he's in the top 10. Um, big board, he's number seven. So I. Or, yeah. What, yeah, when I heard KOC talk about this guy, I was like, all right, I got to go see what this is all about on YouTube. And I don't know if you guys listen to Russillo's podcast, but he's been doing this thing uh, with the NFL, like these NFL awards where he just makes up ridiculous awards. I have a, a fake award for Tyrell Terry uh, tomorrow night or tonight on the draft. It's the not Steph Curry, Steph Curry award or the not Trey Young, Trey Young award because you watch this guy. He is ready to rip threes from anywhere on the court under control, pull-up three game is really impressive. He's got great touch. His shot is like one of those shots that's like, God damn, it looks like it's going in every single time. But he's small. He apparently gained like 15, 20 pounds during the COVID offseason. He, he's, a, you know, he's 6'2". He tries hard on defense, but is he going to get worked at the next level? I don't know, but I promise you tomorrow, whenever he gets drafted, somebody will say, Steph Curry light. Trey Young light because of how he plays, uh, except the opposite of Trey Young. He seems to have a tenacity on defense. Uh, don't think he's that level prospect, but he's a really interesting cat, at least to look at in this draft tomorrow, tonight, whatever. You know what, Pete? I think I definitely saw his. Uh, they did like a, one of those same thing, like a day in the life of you know this, you know, yeah, yeah, such and such player. I definitely, I definitely know who you're talking about now. Yes, 
Stanford kid. He yep. was it wasn't wasn't that big, but could shoot it. Yeah. Almost got redshirted at Stanford this year, and then like lit it up for them. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy yep. stuff. Yep. Uh, a few more. We're gonna say goodbye now in a, in a moment. We've already gone very very long here, but a, a couple more names. Actually, honestly, it's just one more name. I'm very intrigued by this guy, Precious, on Memphis. Y'all know about Precious? St. Benedict's. Yeah, yep. but he's a he's a tri-state guy, right? He's from the area. Yes, he is. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy, Precious. Pretty sure he's a New York, New York guy, I think. I'm pretty sure or, he's a New York guy as like, well. Like born from New York, but born in New York, but he played at St. Benedict's like uh, before he went to Montverde senior year. Yeah, yeah. right. Well, this guy is yeah. huge. He's 6'9", but 7'2", wingspan. He's 225. He's built like a brick shit house. He moves very well. He kind of can like get in the lane and do some weird stuff. Uh, I, I don't know exactly what he is in the NBA, but he's a dude yeah, very- – in that yeah. Robert Williams uh, realm who, if he gets drafted to the right team, he's going to be a steal in the draft. And, and he's a small ball big who can run the court and do crazy shit. So, Precious, I don't even want to say his last name. Ashua, uh, maybe? Or something like that. The guy's yeah, intriguing yeah. to me. That's, that's how it's spelled. You got to take it on the chin, dude. Giannis Adonibocco. You got to take it on the chin sometimes. Oh my God, that's facts. Um, I don't know anything else, guys. We we doing last words now? It's already late. What do we got? Anything else? Nah, right? We're done. Oh, we'll be topping to the next baby. Get pumped. Let's do it. Uh, oh, I got oh. some. Uh, I had some draft props. It's too late. I'll put them on Instagram or something like that. Uh, anyways, guys, great fun having the crew back together. The starting five, the NBA outsiders, are back. We'll probably do some sort of draft recap slash free agency trade outlook again in like a week or so, depending on when that stuff all opens up. Um, but great fun. Last words as we do every single episode. Uh, Kyle, why don't you go first on yes, last sir. words for Subway Sports Talk? Yes, sir. As I'm raising the roof right now, the G-Men, son. Oh! The G-Men. We are, we, we are in the hunt to win the division. <laughs> and it's the race. It's the race to six wins. I think it's the race to six wins, and we're halfway there, baby. Let's go. We got three of them things. All right, and we got a bye week. Okay, look, Daniel Jones. I know. I kind of, you know, I said it earlier, earlier in the year. Everyone's kind of giving me shit. Like, look, man, they're playing hard as hell. They're in every game. All right, they're losing, but you know what? They're gonna start winning some of these games. They've been a lot of these close games. All right, but. Don't be surprised when they start winning some of these. And now, here we are, winning some of these tight games now. You know, finally, Daniel Jones isn't turning the ball over like three times a game. He now is kind of protecting the ball. We'll see what he does after the bye week. You know what? It looks like he's kind of on an upward trend right now. We're running the football, which we haven't seen in probably five years effectively. And our defense is actually playing hard. We're like, I want to say we are top, we are sixth in the NFL in defense uh, against the running game. And I think we are, I want to say we were top, like say like 12 total defense right now. So we are, we are, we are battling. All right. You know, you know, our record might not show it, but we're, we're in every game. We're just kind of finding ways to lose, unfortunately, because we're just such a young team, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Keep faith, Giants fans. I love it. And let let me add this quickly. I had a uh, Dolphins fan on Instagram reach out. Most of us know him. His name is Evan Edelman. I don't care about calling him out. Uh, He responds to the story that I reposted of yours, Kyle. 
and said, mm-hmm. you guys win two freaking games and you're going to be like this and that about your quarterback not turning it over for two games and your your coach is the coach of the future. I'm like, bro, that's literally what every Dolphins fan in the world is doing right now. And granted, Coming from a Dolphins fan. I'm, I'm pro on, Dolphins. I want to know how many times he talked himself into Ryan Tannehill. Jeez. Yeah, I don't right. know. I don't know. Times, I don't care. How many times he had to convince himself that, you know, like, oh, yeah, you know, when when he was younger, yeah, Joey Porter is the answer at outside linebacker when he's like 38. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Jason Taylor can still rush the quarterback when he's 47. <laughs> Shut your ass up. All right. Get out of here, Evan. You don't even listen to this pod. Get out of here. Get out of here. Duffy or John Lucas Duffy, last words. I want to shout out this podcast, podcast I listen to. I binged it. It's like 10 episodes. They're all under an hour. I binged it in literally two days. Uh, I think it was like a 24-hour span I listened to this podcast. It's called Whistleblower. Uh, you can find it on Spotify or iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, it's about the Tim Donahue. For those of you who don't know, he was the ref who was oh, investigated by the FBI, eventually arrested and put in prison for like 18 months, I want to say for um as he would say manipulating as most people would say cheating and influencing the the scores of games so that he could win uh bets that he would place on nba point spreads um this guy who hosts the podcast did an amazing job doing a deep dive into basically did his own investigation into what happened talked to tim donahue himself talked to his best friend talked to former fbi agents uh, people from the league office, former players, um, kind of goes into depth in the 2002 uh, Kings, um, Lakers, Kings versus Lakers, yeah. Western Conference Finals, Game Six, which is the biggest fiasco in like NBA playoff history. Uh, I could not recommend this podcast enough. I, by the time I was finished with it, it felt like you know, so I, someone told me Santa Claus wasn't real, like I got punched in the gut, but. It was fascinating to listen to. So I, I highly recommend everyone go out there and listen to that podcast. Whistleblower. Fantastic. Andrew Duffy, last words. No, just good to be back. Thanks for having me. Short and sweet. We already went long, so. Oh, we're so long right now. We might as, we might as well go 10 more minutes to reach two hours here. Jeez, we went crazy. I mean, we're always expected to go long. First of all, there's five of us. Yeah, Second of all. first one back in a while. Yeah, first one back. Uh, a lot of stuff to talk about. It's just, it's going to happen. What are you going to do? Frank Villani, though, last words. Did you just give me the floor for 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> yeah go, go on. Go Wait, off. never mind. Hold on. I have some words. Never mind. I want to say something. <laughs> um, nah, I mean, I'll, I'll be short. I'll echo some of these sentiments we've had on the podcast already today. Uh, if you're still listening to this point, you already know. Uh, I wear my Mets fandom on my sleeve. Uh, we finally got some new Stevie Cohen content. Uh, he's actually the owner of the team. And just some of the things he said, like, are immediately culture-changing things for for the Mets. And you already see it being reported on, like, their contact with available free agents and the way they're going about it and stuff like that. Like, the Mets got a guy, dude. The Mets got a guy. And I couldn't be more bought in. Like, I'm going to buy season tickets. I think we talked about it a little bit before the pod started, but 
when you support a team, you're supporting the owners. I finally feel like I can support the Mets ownership without feeling like a complete piece of garbage about it. Mm. Shout out to the Mets. Yeah, there's some excitement there. I don't want to get too much excitement on the Mets because when the Mets get too much excitement, it's never good news. I'll say that. True. But this feels good, Frank. This feels good. Uh, my last words after all this time, I, I don't really have much, to be quite honest. I'm, I'm so overwhelmed and excited for this draft. Just bet just bet Anthony Edwards to be the number one pick. Uh, and I think, I think you take the over-under on Cole Anthony, which is at 20 and a half on DraftKings I'm seeing right now. Mm. 20 might, might and a half. I think you might go on the under at plus 103. And also, for those Knicks fans hoping to get Killian Hayes like myself, his over seven and a half is minus 175. So if Vegas is telling you anything, they're putting that juice. They're begging you to take the under seven and a half, which would mean Killian Hayes can be uh, a Nick, perhaps. And uh, I also want to yeah, use Knicks my fans, la- emotional hedge. Bet the under. Bet yeah. the under, and then if you, you know, you could win money or you win Killian Hayes. That's not a bad mm-hmm. point. I also need all the help I can get. I'll use my last words to shout out the week weekly picks podcast between Pat Boyle and myself. Your boy had an abysmal week. One in four, not pretty. We'll be back on Friday with more picks. Pat Boyle saved his hair, though. I don't know if you heard that. He put his own hair on the line, said if he didn't go over 500, he would shave his head on the podcast, and he went three and two. Good to go. Hey. Shout out to Patty Boyle. Shout out to Subway Sports Talk, the NBA Outsiders. This is it. This is all we got. Thanks, y'all, for listening. We'll be back. Picks on Friday. More podcasts to come. That's how we do it. Cheers, everybody. Let's get it. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs>